Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My online poetry slam. I want to sew the world into its sheets. I want to beat it with a bat until the warning sticks. A handgun is a machine. I'm tired of holding the wounded animal of my heart and instructing it on how to bleed. All I see are stars in the mouth of a tiny ghost. Hello and welcome back to the Mile High Poetry Slam podcast. I am your host, Eddie Eifler, here to talk to you about another week in Denver poetry. If you want to know what happened, how it happened, who was involved, if you want to get to know the people behind the poetry, well, you're in the right place, the Mile High Poetry Slam podcast. Uh, This last week was your Minor Disturbance Team send-off show and Youth Slam at the Mercury Cafe. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to Tolua for being our interview for last week and for just being so open and so gracious. It did take a little while to nail that interview down, so I'm really, really glad that we got it in and that we could uh, pick her brain for a a couple of hours and just really get her her thoughts on a lot of things with Minor Disturbance, with Nuba, with the state of poetry in general. So huge, huge thank you to Tolua for last week. This week's interview is with Tolua's co-slam master and co-habitable partner, (laughs) Hakeem Furious. Hakeem Furious, a.k.a. Andre Carbonell, was the National Poetry Slam finalist in 2015 with the Mercury Cafe. He is a two-time iWhips rep winner, although he has only actually been to iWhips one time. Uh, he's, he's won the iWhip spot with both Slam Nuba and Mercury Cafe, and he's a member of Capital Six, a hip-hop group that is planning on a tour into the future, and as I said before, he is the co-slam master of Slam Nuba along with Tolua. So without any further ado, here is your interview with Hakeem Furious. Alright, our guest tonight is co-slam master of Slam Nuba, uh, National Poetry Slam finalist. Hakeem Furious. What's going on? What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me I'm on the so, show, Eddie. I'm so glad I could have you on the show. Yeah, took uh, my bad for taking so long. I would say it, like, it's been a minute, but I'm glad we, we finally made it happen. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, How did you get into poetry? Talk to me about those early days. How did that turn into slam? What's the origin story here? I went to uh, high school in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, called Douglas Anderson School of the Arts. Uh, being there, I was a theater major. Uh, we had one class we had to take for our third year. It was called Voice and Dialect. And we practiced different accents and uh, how to enunciate, what are different techniques for uh, speaking clearer and better, and how to use your voice essentially. So uh, I was going to skip class that day. 
and then I didn't. And it turns out class decided to pair up with the creative writing department and uh, they brought uh, some spoken word guests and it was this group called Shattered Thought. So I went in there, they, uh, they did a whole bunch of group pieces, they did some indie poems, it was amazing, everybody was hyped up. I saw them on stage, I was like, I wanna do that. Uh, the school had got them to teach some workshops as well. So uh, I went home and then I wrote a poem and then I brought it to the workshop and then you know, it wasn't really anything compared to like the creative writers that were there. But, you know, I had style because I could perform it and all the creative writers were bashful. Do you remember any of the individual poets in that collective session? Uh, it was ran by two people. It was uh, started by Matthew Cuban Hernandez. And then it was uh, how they ended up at Douglas Anderson is uh, by Ebony Payne English because that was her alma mater for high school. And then, uh, and then the, there was some of the youth poets, they were older than me, they're like in their 20s now. And uh, Gucci Bass Phillips, uh, Joanne J.D. Walton, Mecca, um, and Jackie Soul. And it was, uh, you know, they're really cohesive. Fast forward after the workshop, I ended up getting arrested with uh, some of my friends. And so my aunt and uncle, of course, found out I was on lockdown at the house. I couldn't do anything. So I just wrote poems. So I was writing poems. And uh, I was trying to get out of the house. It was like towards New Year. And they, at the workshop, they were promoting uh, this show. and. Cuban was like, come out to the show. All you need to participate in the show is three poems. And I was just like, all right, three poems on that. So I go to the show, uh, you know, I'm on the list. I do my poems, find out they're scoring me. So I'm like, oh, okay. You didn't know that beforehand. No. He just wanted you, you were like, yeah, I got three poems. And all of a sudden. I, I didn't have hours. three poems. I, I just wrote the three poems. <laughs> so one was memorized and then the other two uh, I was reading off paper, and they were real corny. They're like, "There's this girl from across the room. I want to know what the Zoom something bada bing bada boom, you know." It was it was for legit like that, and uh, but I don't know. People still mess with it, and it turns out the top five uh, people made the uh, Brave New Voices team. Just that one night. And, and, and it's just like that. Huh. So I went and I told my aunt and uncle. They were like, we'll see what it's about. It might be a good outlet. Oh, how wrong they were. It's, it was, it's a great outlet, but what, what it's led my life to is very opposite of what they wanted for my life, I guess. What did they want? Did they want you just to settle down and follow yeah. a more traditional path? Yeah, you know, go to college, get a job start a family, you know, recover from what you've been through. And here it is, you're gallivanting all over the country, you're, yeah. you're footloose and fancy free. Yeah, I do what I, I, do what I want, yeah. uh, which leads me to BMV. And so we were practicing. What, what year was this? 2011. 2011. Okay. 
and we we're going to Oakland, so we we're doing fundraisers. Uh, we were writing team pieces, and it was hard. And this was the first team I've been on, and then you know, with a whole bunch of people from other schools I've never really talked to, never been with. There was only two cats from my school. One of the cats' name was Connor, and he was a creative writer, beast writer too. And then he ended up dropping off the team because his parents didn't know he was coming. His grandma knew, and I, I guess they didn't want him to be writing or anything like that. So he, he was sneaking being on the team. That's so weird. Why would your parents not want you to write? I mean, I can understand you lied to us about this thing, and, and now you're going to Oakland. But, like, why would you, why would you not encourage your kids to be creative? That's so weird. Florida's weird. Florida's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stifling, but there's also a lot of people trying to... It's very split. Just And then my, my, my homeboy, E, he had, like, got, like, a D in some of his classes. His parents were like, you're off the team. This was, like, uh, what, BMV's in July. This was in March. So that was, like... Ah, we didn't know what to do. We were filling in gaps. We had uh, this young lady join the team. Uh, her name was Sanaya. Then she ended up dropping off, and then it was back to uh, just the original four. And then uh, we went to BMV plane. We went. I we I went with uh, the team Cuban and this poet from New Orleans named Jonathan Brown. Now he's now one of my favorite poets, and uh, we went out there a couple of days early, saw the city. This is my first time really out on my own. Um, How old are you at this point? Seventeen. Seventeen. And then we get to BMV, and then from the minute we get there, people are like hugging, shouting out, and then so I'm eager. I'm eager. I'm friendly. I'm meeting everyone. Like there's there's. People who, who dress like me, people who are interested in the same type of music, everybody's there on their art stuff. We're staying at the Berkeley dorm, so every like the first two days, three days, you're just going on to people's floors, hey, what's up, you know, chilling. And, and it was a great experience. We took, uh, we took ones in both of our prelims bouts, and then uh, semis, we ended up taking third to uh, New York and Tampa. New York took it and Tampa took second. And uh, it was cool. I had a I had a and b bay. That was, you know, that was awesome. And she was older, so this first time an older girl ever liked me. I went back to Jacksonville and I was full of confidence. And I was feeling myself and it really just changed my life because I was just comfortable being myself. And, being, and that's what BMV does and did for me and then I, I come back and then I just out of all the people on my team I'm the only one who's still really writing poems I'm hungry now we're trying to start at a, a little venue uh, called C City Kids um, at this point was Denver even like a blip on your radar screen because I was I think the first year that they actually won the competition well yeah that's actually the I met Hoser because when once I made the team and started getting a spoken word, I, I wanted to see if there was, because I'm from Colorado, 
uh, so I wanted to see if there were poets in Colorado. And all I found was Hoser. So I found him on Facebook. I reached out to him. He was like, what's up, dude? And then uh, we connected at BMV. He was friends with Cuban because Cuban had been through Denver. Um, and he was the only one, really. So I, 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 always, I always knew Hoser. But other than that, the whole scene, I didn't know what it's about. And then... Um, so you come back home, you're just writing your whole heart out. Writing my whole heart out, trying to become a better writer. And uh, people started digging it. Because I was... I'm an actor, I was solid in my performance. And then my writing was getting better and better. I was the only one at school who was really performing. So I got a whole bunch of opportunities in the creative writing department. I kind of drifted away from the theater department. And they were just too competitive, the irony. <laughs> but they, they were too competitive. Like every audition, auditioning for the same nine spots, the social cliques, the, the people crying if they don't get in. And it, it was just it's serious stuff. It was serious art school stuff. I was just like, Y'all could have that. And then yeah, I was I'm gonna chill with the creative writers just yeah. over here. Yeah. Um, what helped is uh yeah, I came back senior year, I ended up getting a a, a girlfriend which was just real out of the box and she was like she was one of the popular girls in school and she was just paying attention to me. I was like, What? You know, that's crazy. But she really helped uh helped my writing just because of the experience of, of just that I went through with her, of being experienced in different things, being in an intimate and a close relationship with someone at that age. I was actually 16 when I went to BMD. Okay. 17. So 17, 17 yeah. And uh, so I graduated. Whatever became of that venue that you were trying to get set up? Uh, we didn't have a, we, it went on for like three months, but eventually we got too busy with senior year and then we weren't getting a lot of support from like, cause Jacksonville is the largest city in America landmass land wise. So it takes 30 minutes to get to each side of town. So, and a lot of people who wanted to spit couldn't get rides. Parents wouldn't let them ride the bus. It's hard to get people out to the thing. And, yeah. Okay. It was, it was rough. It was real rough. But, um, yeah. So, fast forward. My birthday. Uh, something, while we were coming up in Shattered Thigh, Ebony was telling us about Black on Black Rhyme. And, uh, and essentially, a little back history of Black on Black Rhyme. It helped pioneer poetry in the South. Uh, between Keith Rogers and uh, Will the Real One uh, is what made poetry popping in the South, created the culture, and and really uh, brought people together to the art form. And uh, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but she said we could get inducted into Black on Black Rhyme, and all the older alumni had already gotten inducted. And uh, we were gonna get chained, but we had to wait for everybody to turn 18. And I was the youngest. So my birthday came around. And then the next day, the show was every Tuesday. My birthday was on Monday. So the next day, 
we go to Tallahassee and we get chained in. Turns out on the day of our chaining day, it was a slam. No, no. Uh, what does this mean, this chained in? Uh, like we got inducted into an organization. Like, like a formal thing? Like the, the older or more established poets presented you to the community? With yeah. Like this is our new you know, crop of membership? And yeah. Okay. okay. So Ebony did that because Ebony had been in Tallahassee 10 years beforehand doing poetry. Uh, it was Everybody knew her. And then we all had personalized chains. And man, that, that was a great day. And then on the chaining day, it was a slam. And it was a slam to see who would be the black on black rhyme team to go to nationals. National poetry slam? Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was in, uh, it was uh, in, what's it called? It, it's rarely in the South, so I don't know how I don't know it. Somewhere in South Carolina? But 2012. National? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was in, uh, yeah, I, I was at that one. God, where was it? Charlotte. Charlotte, Charlotte yeah. North Carolina. North yeah. Carolina. And uh, we were going to go because it, it's rarely in the South. Besides that one time in Florida. Uh, and uh, I was so excited. I was like, Nationals? What? The National Poetry Slam? So I went back told my aunt and uncle but the, the catch was I needed to be in Tallahassee for practice I had already got accepted into FAMU which was in Tallahassee so I'll just be going a couple months early so I told him I told him you know this is what I'm gonna do this is what I want to do and I moved out basically a week after I turned 18 I moved to Tallahassee and I was renting I was renting uh, a room out of this woman's apartment in, in the hood, hood, it was just like, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> but I was so, I, I didn't care. I was just so happy to be there and be on my own. Things that experience of that team, this is 2012. So the team was really disconjointed because it was me, uh, the slam master, his name was Phil, uh, Philip Scott, and, and, uh, a brother named Jonathan Norville and a poet who's part of Black on Black Rhyme but he lived in Atlanta his name was Derek Stanford he had drove down for the slam I took the one by the way and I had spanked them all but (laughs) you're like I won that by the way yeah but uh, yeah I had went and uh, the, the team fell apart we never went yeah, we never ended up going. Was it just a matter of you couldn't get the poets in the same place at the same time, different commitments, people dropping yeah. off? What? Honestly, I don't know what really happened. No? You just and, got a call one day saying, like, there's yeah, no we're more not, teams? Yeah, we're, we're not going anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, but in that time, I had really bonded with Jonathan because I was super broke. And uh, so Keith, the Keith Rogers School of Hustling, what he did is he put us out on in gas stations and on uh, parking lots selling air fresheners. Uh, and they were $5 air fresheners. They really should have been $2, but they were $5. And, the, and our job was to sell these. And then we would get a cut. And I was like, okay. I didn't ask questions. Figured the way, best way to sell them is just do a poem. So I did a poem. And then, so that's what we would do. We would do poems in front of in front of 
gas stations and in parking lots in front of random people. And then we went to New Orleans for the Essence Festival. And we didn't have, we didn't have a place to stay. We literally slept in the car. Uh, we, uh, but for three days, we just went out and sold a piece of air fresheners. And ended up coming back from that trip with like $200. And we had did a show and I had sold some CDs I had printed up. But the trick of it all is being, if you can sell a $5 air freshener, you can sell a CD. If you can sell a CD, you can survive in the art form. For sure. Um, the other piece was getting comfortable performing in front of anybody and anywhere in any circumstance. Well, not just comfortable, you have to break that ice and then yeah. also get the people, random whoever, who are not there for poetry to yeah. sit and listen to you spit a poem. And that's a whole different skill set. It's not just like, hey, I'm comfortable now. It's more like, you need to listen to what I have to say and yeah. then bring people over. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> exactly. Like, and that was, it's nuts. Like, so, uh, school starts freshman year and then I do like the freshman week showcase and it's like in the gym all the freshmen are there all the older kids are there there's like there's like 300 people there and then I spit a poem in the showcase and I ended up winning the showcase and then from there I was I was just popping they're like he's he's a dope writer I, I I had him I dress weird and so they were like man he's weird there's something about it I can't put my finger on it you know and so I did I was relatively well known and well liked and so people always asked me to do gigs I never turned a gig down I just performed all the time and that's the, that's the next rule from the hustling school right there it's yeah always accept the gig whenever it's handed to you indeed well for a period of time that's the you mean as far as like doing that for only for so long only for, oh, so once you establish a name for yourself you stop doing every gig you just be more selective about yeah, where do, you go and what you do be more selective what fits your brand what do you actually want to do are they paying you is this is it are you doing this for the community or are you doing this as a personal favor to someone that is uh So you're a big man on campus. Everyone's like, hey, check out this crazy cat who can write. And he's yeah. a little different, but he's, he's super cool. So what else is going on in your freshman year of high school? Uh, I end up going on the road a lot with Black on Black Rhyme. And we're going in different cities, do a show. You know, I'm meeting other poets. Just building a lot, building my name for myself. I was, I would like to say, one of the hardest working brothers in the South at my age level. Uh, poetry wise and uh, we go to winter break I go back home they're like you changed I was just like maybe maybe but for the better right. and uh, I go to inauguration with my school uh, do bus boys and poets that was cool that was my first time that was my first time I ever saw it. Ed, Ed Mabry was during that time he had featured and he had did this poem about uh, rules at the bathroom stall. And I saw it, I was just like, that type of showmanship 
that the, his just level of performance, I was just like, dang, I wanna I wanna reach that. I was really motivated. Go back, uh, find out they're doing Apollo auditions in Atlanta. Seven of us drive up in this five-person car. <laughs> we are able to get a place at the last minute. There's this young lady who had, uh, I, w- I went to school with her sister. She had found, her sister had showed me to her through Instagram. We ended up linking up and uh, started dating. And so I was coming up to Atlanta a lot, but at the Apollo audition, they were only taking 300 people. Uh, I was like number 213. Then uh, out of those 300 people, only seven got picked. I was one of the seven. And then I was to go up to the Apollo in June. That's when I was like, oh yeah, I think this really might be for me. Like, the, the, those type of odds are odd. That's just uncanny. So are you doing music? Are you doing more spoken word? Are you doing- All spoken word. All spoken word, okay. Um, then, uh, we, me and my homies, cause they all did poems and then they all did, uh, and some of them rapped too. Like three of them rapped, three of us did poems. We decided to do uh, a slam at FSU. And so there was a poetry group on campus called Voices. But FAMU had just went through the hazing uh, scandal where w- one of the drummers died from hazing. So none of the, no freshman was allowed to join an organization. So we, we never joined the poetry group on campus, which is what pushed us to go so hard on our own because we were like, well, we're on our own. So we do the poetry slam and uh, we form our team and we're the A-team. And which came from a Kendrick Lamar concert. We were trying to get tickets. I had tickets. Homeboys were trying to get tickets. Then everything just went perfectly. And they ended up there. And they were like, clutch. We're so clutch. We're the A team. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so we were the A team. Okay. And so we do the slam. It was an indie slam, team slam. Uh, man, by second round, me and my homeboy, Intricate, and he was on the youth team with us. We do this poem we wrote back in BMV days, and we, we smash them. We're up by like three points. Mm. Then uh, some of the new guys who have never slammed before, they go up and do a poem. It's a little shaky. The scores kind of even out. They, they ran out of time, so they moved the slam. They couldn't be in the venue anymore, so they moved the slam outside. outside. But, you know, that was like a 30-minute process. Just moving all the bodies. Yeah, and getting organized. We didn't have any mics. And so we ended up taking second. And I think it's really because they could not hear our poem. Yeah, it's, it's a bit jarring to go from inside to outside. 30 minutes, no microphone. You got it, yeah. For yeah. sure, for sure. And then I ended up winning the, the Indie Slam. I'm like, I can't lose. Uh, I ended up getting walking fails in uh, my classes because I was never there. Because you were out hustling and doing shows. On the road. And so I lost my financial aid. So I spent two semesters trying to get it back and I was like 
point two on my GPA to being able to get my financial aid back, but I had a wasn't able to register for classes because I had incurred a debt. So I had to either pay the debt off, but I'm broke. Um, trying to survive, pay rent. I ended up getting a job. The timeline's a little jumbled because I'm blurring some of sophomore and freshman year together. But uh, at the end of freshman year, we ended up forming a group. The A team turned into Capital Six because we had did a hip hop show and the rappers, and they loved it. People loved it, so we were like that. So we're now cap six, go through summer, sophomore year, trying to get my classes back. It doesn't work out. So during that time, I'm like, well, I want to rap. I never wanted to rap before, or never felt comfortable rapping because I don't have rhythm. I'm always off the beat, and, but I just tried. And so I wrote a mixtape in, uh, in my room called Leaky Nostrils Monogamous Swans. And it was a poetry, hip-hop mixtape. And I put it out, and people responded really well to it. Even to this day, it does real, relatively good online. I was about to say, I think that was the CD that you were pushing your early days at the Merc, wasn't it? Like yeah. a product you were like, hey, check it out, I got this disc. And yeah. yeah. And in retrospect, some of the stuff I said on there, terrible things. But we all have to learn and grow. Um... But yeah, I made that, and then I was able to travel more and sell that. I, I wrote this erotic poem for because FSU did a yearly uh, erotic show called Language of Lingerie. And uh, I, create, I wrote a poem, an erotic poem, and erotic poetry is huge in the South. Huge in the South. And it, it fucking smashed. And with that, I, I, I started getting books booked like for real and I started getting features in other states and then I did now I was I did the Apache which was is the it's essentially the New Yorican of the South okay. and and that was that was great and booming so and then cap six comes along we do a group tape people love respond to that we started getting booked for, for a lot of shows doing a lot of interviews and projects and people wanting us and that was dope and that was all through 2014 to 2015 and I'm like 2015 happens and I'm like okay it's time to reconnect with my father it's time to reconnect with some of my past I gotta go do some of work I'm not necessarily I'm not going deep enough. There's still so much to cover. And so you, when you say reconnect, you mean like physically you had to go? Yeah, my father is in prison. Yeah. I, I've never really met him. So that was my motivation for coming to Colorado. Okay. And so in there, I wanted to make it about poetry. Let's try to make some connections. Try to see what their style is like. Try to see what I can learn and and, and pick up and and fuse and implement and just grow. So, so as you know, I was staying in Longmont. I came on a, I came on a Friday, and then I went to Merck that Sunday. And then turned the Merck Slam was the last chance slam 
to make the Nationals team. And I didn't win the slam. Connor won the slam. And I think you were like third, weren't you? Yeah. And it was like Connor and, and like Julie or something. Yeah. Second. But then Julie didn't want to be on the team. Yeah. And so I I moved up and then I had went to I had went to Nuba that next Friday and they had their slam off. And then ironically that was the night I met Tolu. Um, saw Hoser again, reconnected with him, and just kinda saw what the the scene was about. And then the Merc Slam came and it was nothing like the uh, it was nothing like this new because when I went to Noob I was like dang I would smash all of them all they're doing is identity pieces <laughs> now I went to Murray I was just like ah yeah damn this is, this is some dynamic dynamic shit um, this is team selection team selection and then you ended up making the team and almost took it if I had a, if I had a poem some poems. <laughs> some poems. If I, I'd have won that thing. <laughs> I mean, it was close. Like, point one to Polly and point three to Aaron. And then... So let's talk about that team. You already said it's two weeks. So Aaron won the, the venue championship. Mm-hmm. Polly, then you. Piper Mullins was on that team. And Piper took fourth, I believe. And then uh, in fifth, it was Melissa New Evans. Evans. And then sixth place, uh, Connor Marvin. And I don't know how, but hey. Slam's a funny game. It's, it's, it's a silly, silly game. Yeah, because he was on it that night, too. Like, when I first saw him at the last chance slam, uh, uh, when I first saw him at the last chance slam, it's, it's nuts. She's what, he's by him, Jonathan Brown, and some of my favorite writers, like, so, yeah, that team, that was my number one. That was my first time being on a team with white people. <laughs> being in a place like Tallahassee, because fam used the HBCU, so I didn't, I didn't see white people unless I wanted to. That's all you see. Yeah. Colorado. So I, it, it took a while uh, to adapt, like, some, some cultural things that I'm used to. I was finding out we're misogynistic and uh, I found out what patriarchy was and it was a real learning experience but I grew that you know it was the first time someone told me you know something I did was cliche or it was whack Hmm. Polly was the first one to really say something I had to to adapt to different writing styles had to adapt to different performance styles how to hold my weight especially being and in my opinion when uh one of the weakest on the team writing wise um there's a whole lot of weak links in that chain in that 15 year like looking back on it uh talk to me about some of those group pieces because the, the more notable ones that featured you were drones um you turned Polly's binary into a trio and of course tiger yeah. That. Uh, what other poems did you have like uh, a standout experience with that, that you wanted to hear? Um, I really like the goth poem. Goth night. Goth night was. 
it was hilarious and that I, I always like I rather I, I like funny I've always when I was younger I wanted to be a comedian but I don't understand the timing it goes back to that whole rhythm thing and, and it's the same thing with poetry because my breath control is it can hinder a poem because I can't get that rhythm and then uh, the cadence I was uh, Aaron had told me you know people don't like cadence poems lose people and uh, make people uninterested and then in the south narrative poems lose people and make so I'm starting to learn this whole dichotomy between the south and the north and narrative versus rhyme and how people and how it gets weighted against and um but yeah goth knight was one favorite tiger i love peace i love performing it um drones was my favorite piece in in the entire year did you know more people in this country are crushed to death by furniture than die in terror attacks people are literally being killed by televisions unless you mean domestic terror unless you mean stop and frisk unless you mean whatever threatens to put a crack in the foundation of white supremacy capitalism patriarchy And it was relative at that time, yeah. Cause I had wrote it. Oh, I forgot to tell you in the timeline. I went to Southern Fried for the first time, and I was killing it. Was about to make indie finals. I was ranked number six. And then I do. I had wrote the father poem like two days before Southern Fried. I wanted to do it in the third prelim, and I end up dropping it. It was just so new. It's just so new. I learned a valuable lesson. Yeah. You wrote it two days before, and you're like, I'm just gonna rock this. Yeah. And uh, and then I dropped it, and then it was an obvious drop, and then I brought it back, and so, well, I ended up taking like eighth in the room, and then that dropped me to twenty, and then two weeks later I turned twenty. <laughs> I was just like, ah, universe. Yes. I've noticed that my brothers and I have a prison pipeline running straight through our veins that leads straight to you, causing penitentiary poems. Pay attention to me, poems. Dear Pops, you made my life a little complex, and I don't know if I should keep going. Uncle's telling me that you're a real lady killer. You can charm your way into a woman's heart so much you can make it stop beating. Mama said that you left her breathless, but now she is a breath less alive. Yeah, and I've missed every Southern Fried after that to be able to do it again. I'd like to be able to redeem myself. So is that a goal of yours? Go back to Southern Fried and win. And win the Indy Comp? Yeah. Okay. okay. Now this was also the year I think you wrote your gas station poem. Yeah. You were working at a gas station up in Longmont, right? Yeah, up in Longmont working at uh working for Valero. And that's the name of the poem, Valero Valet. And uh, I wrote it during that time and really after Nats. I wrote part of it before Nats. And then after Nats, I had finished it, and I had finished it around Poets Day. And um, I don't know, I didn't know how to feel about it because I read it for the team. And then uh, Aaron was like, you have to add something personal in there. It's not going, it's not going to work. You're not going to capture people. You're not going to be able to connect to it like that. And then Piper was like, 
that's a great body of work. You need a, it's fine how it is. Just perform it. A split reaction then from the team. And so, uh, I ended, and I ended up trying to put something else in it, but it just felt not real, not me. So I, I decided to keep it how it is, and then. And then catch it. Yeah. It became, it became a strong piece. The saying the creeps come out at night was not a myth. It's 100% true, filled with sleepwalk stalkers, PM peeping toms, the horny, and the homeless. I work the graveyard shift at a gas station. The zombies come and pay me a visit like they can smell the blood on my hands. I ended up competing in the Slam Nuba Iwhips comp like the day before I was about to leave back to Florida. And uh, I ended up winning. And you beat some names. Yeah, you beat it was. Out Theo, you beat out. Who else would it be? Hoser, Hoser that? Johnny, yep. Tolum. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was. And uh, that was the first time I tried. I rapped in a slam. And I think that's what. I had rapped for my one minute because I didn't have a one minute. And I think that's what ha had did it after that. It was. Yeah, like I literally. I took first in every round except one, and I took a two to Hoser, which I've been doing a lot. So this is the day before you're going to leave. Yeah. Um, how did that impact that particular part? Uh, I felt like it was my graduation from the Denver scene. Uh, you know, me and Tulu were dating. So there's an interesting dynamic, but I didn't, I didn't think I was gonna come back, just because I had such a bad time living in Longmont. Not because of who I was staying with, but just being completely isolated from people, not being around black people, not really seeing large cultural elements that would make me want to stay. That was what a over an hour drive. Yeah. To get you from your house into the city. Yeah. Longer if you were taking a bus, I'm sure, which you took a lot. Yeah. Three hours. Three hours. Oh, my God. So, you know, it, it was the struggle. But I went back, and I went back to Florida stronger with the ideas, trying to get the city. Uh, Naps was going to be in Atlanta that year, so I was trying to get Tallahassee to do a venue because it's in the South. We, we, we know how to work the South. We could finesse that very easily what it would mean for a place like Tallahassee to win nationals would change, I think, the entire dynamic slash environment of the poetry scene. But egos and, uh, and not enough hands and not enough people who care. Just couldn't make it work. Couldn't make it work. And so Tulu was in, uh, a play called How I Got Over and I wanted to come out, surprise her for the opening and all that. And this was a couple days after Valentine's Day and I had booked a feature out here as well at Slam Nuba. So I knew I was gonna get in some bread and then Tulua helped me get a gig at MCA with Rebecca Preston, Allende, me 
and Polly, which I still have not gotten paid for. But I found out they weren't, it wasn't in cash, they were gonna pay in cash, uh, in check. So that blew my whole thing off. Then I found out while I was here that a month ago I had signed up for Amazon Prime to get to Lou a Valentine's Day gift because they did two day shipping. And uh, turns out I, I forgot to unsubscribe after the free month and they charged for the whole year. I thought it was like a monthly subscription. They charged for the whole year, which was $100. So it took all the money out of my account, put me in the negatives. I had only got, I had only bought a one-way ticket because I, I believe in only buying one-way tickets. Just on principle. Uh, on principle, you never know what's gonna happen. Well, I'm supposed to. And I got stuck here. Well, I, and I was planning to come. Not at that time, though. Just kind of, the, the way the universe conspired, just kind of bumped up the timetable. Yeah. And so, got here, it was real rough. Trying to find a job. Toulouse never lived with a boy before. Her parents don't know me. I'm some random dude from Florida. So we're trying to connect and vibrate on the same level and be on the same page. In the meantime, still, I still believe I can make poetry my main gig. Because, you know, poets do really well in Colorado comparatively to any other place in the United States and people value poetry here. So I was like, you know, let me just go, do a whole bunch of gigs, you know, get some clout up, just do what I've always done. And it kind of worked, kind of didn't. Uh, I ended up linking up with an organization called Poetry for Personal Power. They were doing some uh, Recruiting, they, they just got a grant for Colorado. It's all about mixing mental health care with poetry and doing the messaging. Everybody, they, they had posted on their like group page uh, uh, a picture of our video of how I got over. And it has said, you can do something, this is essentially like what we do. You can do something like at an event like this and and you know you can get paid and and so people had got turned off because they thought they were trying to co-opt the how i got over thing and so they're like no blah 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 so nobody was fucking with poetry for personal power so i ended up doing it and i did a couple messaging events and it's real easy and i was i was making bread and then I told a couple other people, Ryan had did it, Franklin had did it, and they're like, oh, this is legit. So I had, I had probably did like the most gigs in, in Colorado, and then I went out on a, on a six-week tour. Did all that, the Poetry for Personal Power, they had sent me to San Diego and uh, Silicon Valley to do a couple conferences. That's how, how they would get from the South back to the West Coast came back for, opened up for Earl Sweatshirt. Um, then I, I was the iWhips rep for the Merc. 
So I came, I, as soon as I got back off the tour, I had to go to iWhips, and that was real hard, shifting from music mode to poetry mode. It was my first iWhips. I was nervous, but I was so, I felt like I already won because I gave it up the year before, yeah, and so then I yeah, got it. timelines are, are jumping around again, so. Oh, yeah. The, let's go back to that. So you, you won the Nuba iWhips rep. I won the new, yeah, I in think, 2015. I think the, the conversation at that time was you didn't feel right taking that because you were leaving. Yeah. yeah. I didn't feel like I would be a proper representation of that venue because I, I, you know, I'm not there at the venue. I'm not putting work into the venue. I'm not, I'm not in the city. I don't feel comfortable representing the city when I'm not actually part of the city I you know so there was that confliction so you gave that up to I think was it Hoser I given it up to or Johnny because he was second place and then uh, he but I thought I was giving it to Johnny but he was like he decided to go over time on his last poem because he was like there's I'm not gonna catch him, so whatever. And then he had went over time, and because of the time penalty, Hoser. Hoser. Yeah. And so that's that's how we get to Hoser as the rep. You gave it up, so now you're the Mercury's rep. And yeah. It's the first time you've been to a year later. Very jarring from music tour to poetry slam stage. Indeed. And I was, it was great. I was in, I was in very tough rooms that 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 felt great uh i was more prepared for the how it was but they had switched the style up into micro bouts so that kind of changed the game up because now instead of 12 people it's six people and i just having to have who i thought was the 12 people all the hard hitters were in my six do you remember who you went against uh Steven Willis, icon, me, and then I don't remember the other two. But essentially, Steven took both ones, icon took both twos, and I took both threes. But I, th- I think it was rightfully so. They're doing something I was not. Well, they, for that, they outperformed me. Definitely, their performance was more solid, and at that time, I've been especially since I whips, I've been I've been having trouble going in, like really connecting with any of my poems. Like, do you I, think that was just from the I whips experience, or this my stuff? Other stuff, because I'm I wasn't I had written stuff for I whips, but post I whips. Uh, my, my confidence was crushed for a little while and I also was not writing so between the confidence piece and then not writing I was just taking L's because you can't grow if you're not writing you know none of the poems I'm, I can't connect with them because I'm, I'm not connected with them I'm, not, I'm no longer that person I'm no longer that version. 
I have to write with the times of me. So do you think now it's just a matter of figuring out who this new person is and doing some scoring there? Oh, a little bit. Uh, I spent a lot of the year doing that, so just experiencing new things. I got a steady job. Me and my girlfriend are on doing great. Uh, I went out the country. Um, I'm, I'm doing things I've never done before, so I'm definitely getting that experience piece to add to the writing. Um, organizing Slam Nuba. Or, yeah, organizing Slam Nuba, and that's another part of it because I, I've been more on the back end. I've been taking the money, so I haven't been on stage performing. I haven't slammed, um, and so the only time I slammed since since I was I slammed once at the work, but after that, it was uh, team selection, and then team selection came, and then I lost my confidence all again. Because you were the alternate, right? No, you were one away from the alternate. Yeah, but you, and I'm not sure. So, uh, how are you? affiliated with Slam Nuba right now? Are you like dropping on practices or is that just like Tolu does her thing, you do your thing? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm Slam Master because there's two Slam Masters. She takes care of the team stuff. I take care of the other stuff. So trying to book gigs for us, okay. the fundraising tip, okay. uh, venues, which we've been yeah, having. Talk, talk to me about venues because it's been a tumultuous year for Slamdo's venues. So, Crossroads Theater closed at the end of May. Slamdo has been at Crossroads Theaters for 10 years. And it, it hurt, man. Honestly. That they had, had been kept up for so long, and then right when some some new blood, some young blood, comes in to really do some stuff, the our probably most stable piece gets taken away. And uh, I mean, it, it's the culmination of. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 pushing, pulling, gentrification. Yeah. It had changed hands a number of times before you guys even showed up. It was like the cities, and it was the churches, and it was another churches, and then someone else's. And then, you know, and then it's the and cities forth. again, yeah. and then they were, everybody tried their, I don't know if everybody tried their best, but we tried to keep the space alive for as long as we did. We kept it pushing for a good seven months after it was really supposed to close. And then really it was in trouble two years ago and right. kept it live for two years. So right. the handwriting was on the wall, but uh, we're trying to find a new venue now that still matched some of the Slam Nuba principles and values. So the last one you had was at Central City Teatro. Indeed. What's, what's the story there? Is that something you're going to try to make regular? Was it a one-shot deal? Uh, we're trying to make it regular. It was uh, entirely too costly for it to be a regular thing, but we had worked out a deal with Su Teatro to do this one at full price and then see if uh, we can create some slam, uh, a monthly slam nuba there. 
um, the guy who runs the space, Steve, he actually used to run the crossroads back when Slam Nuba first came. And then this was before it got bought out by the church. And so he understands what Slam Nuba kind of means to the community. Um, also working on that black and brown connection. Um, Hoser, it was Hoser's idea because uh, he said he's brought it in the past for years. Let's have it at Su Teatro. Let's have a Su Teatro. But no one was really biting, going for it. Well, I mean, Su Teatro, it, while it does have advantages and that it's established and, and people know in the arts community like what they're getting into when they go to Su Teatro, it's, it's also got some drawbacks. Like you said, that the cost of it. Yeah. And I don't know how, because I, I don't know if you guys are trying to keep it on the, on the Friday, but I don't know how that works if they have a show, show going through. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, and I don't know that either. So, it's a headache. I'm trying, uh, while trying to maintain two jobs and, uh, and be an artist at the same time. So it's definitely a daunting task. But we will figure something out and use this period, this rocky period now to what worked, what didn't, fix the things that didn't in the past how to add it to what's working now uh we have a i was a between working for poetry power i was able to make that nonprofit our slam nuba's fiscal sponsor so that way we can get people can write things off and we can we can do some things we can apply for grants use the grants to build capacity to start uh we're trying to start a workshop series um, so you guys operating under, is that like your umbrella? Yeah, well, nonprofit? MPS also offered for us to, to be our umbrella as well. MPS, like, you mean PSI? PSI, yeah, yeah. PSI is an automatic umbrella thing, but they got weird rules as far as how to get your money back, and yeah. it's a headache. So if you can find anything else, then we'll go yeah. with anything else. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Poetry, Personal Powers, our fiscal sponsor. Um, we have, we've gotten a $1,000 grant. Uh, I got 500, Tolu got 500, and then we're gonna put it towards Nuba. Um, we're written in to a $3,000 grant with uh, Colorado Health Foundation. Uh, we're, uh, we're writing a grant for uh, 11,000 right now, to ho and hopefully we get it. So, so you've, you've been putting in work and trying to get this new venue, and I've talked to you about it, Piper's talked to you about it. Have you tried this place, have you tried this place? Um, take money away from the equation. What would be your dream venue for Nuba to go into and be like a permanent fixture? Denver Center of the Arts. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. yes. Uh, that would be great. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, honestly, I haven't lived in Colorado enough to know because we there's steady venues for the poetry scenes. I've been able to look around. Like, there's a lot of other venues but somewhere that could fit 200, 300 people, have the cushion seats like Crossroad had, has a good sound guy, has it, it's accessible to everyone. It's like more of a theater style venue like that? Yeah. Um, it was relatively low cost. I mean, if we could seat more people, I wouldn't mind paying more. But I, I, but I wouldn't pay more unless we have a, a six-month guarantee. So 
so you touched on what you're doing now. You're you've got two jobs. You're you're hustling grants. Uh, what's the future look like for Hakeem Furious? I got an artist residency with Platform. Uh, I'm using that to help shoot a commercial for my long-awaited book. Uh, it's been too it's been too long. Um, but I've always wanted to release commercial because not a lot of poets do it, if any, like a, a high quality, like introspective Tarantino on three minute commercial, you know? That's a tall order. Yeah. You make me want to watch this commercial. Exactly. And if the commercial's dope, you'll buy the book and, and uh, you know, just really use some of the things I've learned in marketing and the private sector and the nonprofit sector and apply it to poetry and see how we can, you know, it can really be an industry. Um, yeah, release the book because I have to do an end of the year, end of the residency project performance. So release the book in the performance and the performance is going to be an interactive uh kind of show with the commercial um, and then they're paying me for that so I'm just going to use the pay for that to pay for the commercial and um, after that go on tour, Cap 6 has a tour in November Shh, you didn't hear that from me uh, but yeah we're really excited that we have a new album coming out and uh, in January book book cities for the book tour and it's uh, the book is called Dinner with the Ego and I, and then the tour is going to be called The Ego Trip. I like it. I like it. All right. A um, couple of questions. So the 2015 national team, you guys end up making final stage and fourth overall. How did that influence your life personally, that, that experience? Sheesh. First time on final stage ever. I was just like, Huh, I like this feeling. I don't ever not want to do that. But at the same time, trying not to get caught up in the slam and maintain the why why I do this and is the connection, it's the people, it's the is uh, being able to understand someone on a visceral level and make someone understand you on a visceral level, and that that feeling is greater than no other. And then being recognized for it, the ability to do that is also is a. But it gave me a lot of national recognition, and that by and it was my first year, which kind of skyrocketed me out of uh, this little boy in the south to. Doing big things, admittedly, in yeah. the South. Yeah, admittedly, yeah. but... But now it's just a larger platform, you think? Like, much larger. More visibility. I was uh, able... I was hometown hero. Uh, it felt good. Uh, it also made me a target. How so? Uh, I got a few haters, but that that's bound to happen. But uh, also, people wanted to slam against me. People wanted to... Like you're the king of the mountain. Everybody's trying to knock you off. Yeah, when, I'm not, when I wasn't, but I was one of the youngest on the stage. 
and out of that generation of young people who's coming up, though those from two, from twenty four to twenty one right now, and then people who are like twenty five to twenty eight, those are like the two youngest that are coming into the adult world. And out of my age group, I was doing relatively well, and so they they want to say oh. Also, made me a target too. People were like you—you you didn't deserve to be on final stage, or people told you that, huh? I heard it. Well, other people, you I know, see your face. Yeah, you just heard the wrong thing. Yeah, you know, which bound to happen. Uh, people call me a token because you were the only person of color. Yeah, and otherwise very white team. Yeah. But no, it was really our, our writing and, and team dynamic. Although we, I didn't know we didn't work well together until after. Explain, what do you mean? I thought, I thought we were a great team. I didn't know there was a lot of internal conflict happening. Oh, until after Nashville's over? Yeah, for real, for real. Well, I guess that's a testament to the experience that the team wanted you to have. Yeah, you know? and I'm honored and grateful because they tried very hard and succeeded. And succeeded. Like, we didn't know any about all this stuff until after the fact, which I think is the best you can hope for in that particular situation. Yeah. So people, there's rumblings, there's whispers of you didn't deserve to be on the team and all these things. So I remember you didn't have your whole belief in only buying one-way tickets. You didn't have a return flight back with the team. You went directly on tour after that. You went to, like, DPL. Like yeah. I went to L.A. for a week. And, oh, man, yeah. They were, they were clowning the team at, at, at DPL. At DPL? Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, they were clowning the Tiger piece, which, ultimately, we shouldn't have done that in final stage. The room was too big. The room was too big. And the sound was too weird. And yeah. the poem was too... Uh, but we were trying to be yeah. fair. We wanted everybody to have the same amount of stage time. Right. We got here as a team. We're going to do it as a team. Yeah. But they were clowning that piece specifically? Yeah. They were clowning your, uh, your role in that piece? Or was it just like, man, what would you guys do with that I piece? think that's like, where some of the tokenism came from. Oh, no. But at the same time, uh, there's... Just, saying it was terribly written. <laughs> that was the insulting part. Because it, it was wonderfully written. It was hilarious. It was it was undercut with the seriousness. It was just a really good experience. The poem, writing the poem and practicing the poem and then testing it out at the, at the 40 ounce. And the uh, Southwest. And you Southwest. Too, yeah. yeah. It was just, it was groovy. But, um, should have done drones. <laughs> should have done drones. <laughs> We probably would have won if we would have done drones. You think? Said every person. Hindsight. <laughs> yeah. What it is. Yeah. Um, ask you the same question that I ask everyone at the end. And I know that like you're still trying to acclimate yourself to things, but let's just say, for the sake of argument, you were to trip over a magic lamp right now, and a magic genie were to pop out and say, you know what? You've only got one wish, and it can only be for Denver poetry. What's your one wish for Denver poetry? For conflict transformation and all my predecessors 
to still be involved with the scene. Explain conflict, transformation, what, what's that in reference to? Uh, conflict has dis- not destroyed, but has split a lot of poets up in the scene where the, everyone is isolated, everybody's doing their own own thing, no one is coming to the shows anymore, none of the old heads are hosting the show or specific helping. Specific to Slam Nuba? Specific to Slam Nuba, but also uh, with uh, with Merc too, I mean, we've talked about this before, but between the old school poets and the new poets, the slam poets and the written word poets, lighthouse writers versus, you know, Art from Ashes. Art from Ashes, you know. If we could cohesively and collectively build this art form, we can share the wealth. There's no need to be greedy. Every poem is different for different experiences. These different experiences are happening simultaneously, can happen simultaneously. Everybody can be used for something. So maybe unite the different poetry churches under a single banner? Like, Indeed, like yeah. Like Nuba, Lighthouse, and Art from Ashes, and Minor Servants, all of them just kind of come together. Yeah, but and, and then there's conflict between each church, so essentially getting every church right and then under all the houses under. Because what we do is important. It's been around forever. It's been a part of a community and society environment forever from the beginning of time it's no different now we are needed and with Denver and Colorado in general quickly changing the culture of it changing more people knew it. we have opportunity to change it yeah a lot of the stuff that we love about it is gone and leaving and I'm probably not the best person to speak on it but there's also opportunity to change let's take what worked keep it all the terrible shit that was going on let's fix it and add it and be better and how do you think we can do that what do you think the first step is at least <sighs> that's a hard one yeah. uh, I think MPS is a start because it will draw all the old poets out and being around people they haven't been around in years two work harder everybody need to work harder you can't hate on someone else if they're working harder than you that's a lot of stuff that happened in the past that's why things went awry with the mix of other stuff and, and ego gets involved there and, yeah and it's, it's a tough thing to especially if it's your own ego you just have to check that for yourself and be like okay maybe this isn't my time to be in the spotlight maybe it's this other person's time yeah. yeah, and and work harder. I mean, it might be someone else's, someone else's time being the spotlight. But if you're working hard and the spotlight's still on you, you get your time. Yeah, yeah. Everything is, yeah. Work harder. Uh, and definitely the ego piece. If someone cares about a community, they will invest uh, themselves, themselves in, in that, that community. community right? Yeah, and just be about what we say we about. Essentially. <laughs> All right. 
What do you want to push or plug anything more before I turn off the recorder? Uh, go to your Facebook page, like Slam Nuba. Um, if you want any information about our show, visit www.slamnuba.com. Please, we need volunteers for MPS, so if you are interested in being a part of any of the magic that is the National Poetry Slam, volunteer. You can go to mpsdenver.com. Um, this is Hakeem Furious from Furious Frequency. Live well, stay strong, and I appreciate your time. Appreciate you. Thank you again. Thank you, Eddie. Another fantastic interview here in the Mile High Poetry Slam podcast. Uh, really, really thankful to Hakeem for just being so honest and, and so unafraid of everything he was talking about. Um, I, I almost feel like I could have gone deeper with some of the questions that I asked, but uh, I really kind of let Hakeem drive that interview. I really kind of let him kind of dictate where we are going and, and what we were going to talk about, so... I really appreciate him donating his time and being so forthright and, and being so uh, open with everything he was talking about. So a huge, huge thank you again to Hakeem Furious. Uh, if you want to check out any of what he's talking about, find it online, slamnuba.com. Check out Cap 6. Uh, check out the book he's going to drop. Check out the tour that they're about to go on. So there are plenty of places to find all of the, the ways to support your local talent, your local Denver poetry. But now we're going to talk about your youth team send-off and minor disturbance slam at the Mercury Cafe. Denver! 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 Queen City of the Plains! Lift high our spirit! Sing well our praise! For in you we live! And our love! Minor disturbance! All right, we're going to begin like we normally do with the open mic. Since this was a youth slam, and going back, some people might be confused why you have a youth slam. It's the third Sunday of the month, because uh, the second Sunday of the month was supposed to be a youth slam, but there were some plumbing issues at the Mercury Cafe. So the whole venue was closed down two Sundays ago, which means we just push that event back one week. So that's how you get the Youth Slam on the third Sunday. That's how you get the team send off. And as I record this podcast, that team is in Oakland, California at the Brave New Voices International Poetry Festival. So wish them all the love, all the luck, pour your hearts out to them, and let them know that Denver has their back. But we're going to start off with the open mic. Like any other Youth Slam, this was a shortened open mic, only four names. We had Angela Nicole, Jessica Bardo, Stylo Marks, and Michael Turner. Uh, I've only really got one clip for you, and that's from Angela Nicole, who read a piece that I don't think I'd heard before. It it might not be brand, brand new, but it's certainly one that uh, I did not recognize. This was all about the gentrification, all about the image that Colorado, that Denver specifically, has sort of fostered from people who are not around here. And I think Angela Nicole did a great job. And it's like, damn Denver, show me your tits already. The travesty, the crumble, the high of the attraction. That line pretty much sums up what a lot of us local Denver people have been thinking about the way things have been going. Especially when out of town people come in and all they want to do is like, check out the dispensaries and... You know, go take a tour of Columbine High School, how insensitive that would be, and, and go see the Century 16 movie theater where James Holmes shot it up because that's just been reduced to a tourist attraction. Yeah, I mean, just show us your tits already, Denver. My God, like, 
that's what a lot of tourists when they come here are basically saying to themselves it's it's marijuana and it's tragedy porn so angela nicole did a, a great job a, a really amazing way to capture all of that and we have your slam your you slam was hosted by elijah lynch and he is just fantastic he is so entertaining so engaging from the stage even when he doesn't exactly know what he's doing or where he's going he can make it super fun for everyone involved so huge thank you to eli for just going up there and being you and being amazing uh your sacrifice for the youth slam was minor disturbance alum franklin cruz with a poem that is an older poem in fact it's one that he mentioned on his interview with us a couple weeks ago but it's one that i haven't been able to capture yet so i'm going to play you a little clip from before this before this, I am Latino. Explico that I'm a chico niño still too young to understand why I can't be loud in Spanish. Why I'm best tolerated in English. Before people like Trump try to tell me that I'm a criminal. With all the will to demoralize the fabric of American values. Setback told we plagiarized our identity. But he has never read my ancestors' codices. This is how poison seeds get planted in both kids and me and my parents and the elders. We, a whole forest of robbed trees, hacked and uprooted, but before this, I am saluted for a flexible tongue. Such a great, great piece, and it really goes back to what Franklin was saying about this piece when I interviewed him, about how everyone wants to categorize and define and place people into boxes, but he really wanted to get to the essence of who he is and who he was and where he comes from, so he really did this exploration of before this and before this, and it really even goes back to not just like a biological standpoint, but it goes back to an ideological standpoint. Before this, uh, he is Hispanic. Before that, he is Australopithecus. He before that, you know, he is the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, uh, all of these different things mixed together and mingled together to create what we now know as Franklin Cruz, and it's just a fantastic, a wonderful piece. So I wanted to play that clip for you, for anyone who has maybe heard that before or hasn't heard that before and wanted to know what he was talking about. Uh, Franklin Cruz doing a great job as a sacrifice. Before I get into what happened at the Youth Slam, we're going to need to talk about a little bit of a hard truth here. So hit that music. As the old adage goes. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You gotta be cool to be kind In the right measure Cool to be kind It's a very good sign Cool to be kind Your hard truth this week is not directed toward a poet, not directed toward a poem that happened on stage. It's directed toward the community leaders and, and the community members themselves. You know, if you don't foster your community, your community won't foster you. One thing that I've noticed for the past couple of months is that the Youth Slam Nights, the second Sunday nights, have been just criminally underattended. There was a time when that was the hottest ticket in town. There was a time where the Adult Slam was really down attendance-wise, but the Youth Slams, the second Sundays, are what kept that venue afloat because they were just so dedicated, so invested in trying to grow this community. Not just the Mercury Cafe, but Minor Disturbance. And people like Sarah Kaplan-Gould, like Shelby Handler, like Libby Howard, like Liz Cheever, like Mary McDonough, Elijah Lynch, Brandon Stepien. These people would turn up every single month and really just give it their all and, and make it a show that people could not miss. But for the past, I want to say, four or five months, the Sunday nights with the youth have been just really, really low attended. 
And I think at least part of that is due to a lack of investment from the community. Not just the, the participants, because I see people like Mateo, I see people like Alexis coming out and, and supporting, but I don't see a whole lot of promotion. I don't see a whole lot of leadership standing up and, and really demanding that team members and potential team members go out and, and really give it their all. It's sort of turned into this process where youth will get qualified to go out for a team and then we won't see them until it's time for team selection. And while that's technically within the bounds and, and you can do that, it's, it's not great for fostering your community. And if you don't foster your community, your community won't foster you. I bring this up because there was not an actual youth slam on Sunday night. We had three people signed up, two of whom left before the slam actually started, and the only one who was left over admitted that he was beyond the age for a youth participant. He was 20 years old and just signed up because he wanted to read a poem. And that was, like, the only impetus for him to be even beyond that list. So we ended up not even having a youth slam. We turned it into an extended open mic because there were only three names on the list and two of them left before the thing even began. And um, not pointing the blame at any one specific person. There's plenty of reasons why things like this happen. I already said before that two Sundays ago, the Mercury Cafe, the usual second Sunday, had to close down because of a plumbing issue. And so that can kind of throw everyone off of their game a little bit. It has been crunch time for the Minor Disturbance team for these last two weeks because, like I said, as I record this, they are at Brave New Voices. They are in competition, or at least in workshops and, and trying to gear up and ramp up for that competition. So it's probably probably been a whole lot of practices, last-minute memorization, getting people together. So I can understand why the organizers, why the team w would have had their heads in other places. But Minor Disturbance has a long history of community. And, of course, with BNV this week, they carry Denver with them to Oakland. Uh, the teams, the team members, they work all summer to prepare themselves for Brave New Voices. But when they get back, the community building needs to increase to ensure the success beyond just this year. Uh, I've spoken to Mary McDonough in the interview, and I've brought up this idea that the idea, the entity of minor disturbance is bigger than one single person. It's bigger than one single year, one single team. It's an idea that is supposed to last and supposed to grow and foster. So if you focus only solely on success of a particular team or a particular year, you neglect the community building process. It's going to hurt your teams for the next couple of years to come and that is just a crime because I think Minor Disturbance is probably the single most important poetry venue in Colorado. I've said many times before to just people I know, people around the community that if I had known of such a thing called SLAM when I was in high school my life would have turned out very very differently. Uh, who knows what it would have been like, but I know that I would have probably found a lot more direction a lot sooner than I did later on in life. And it is a great, great organization for young people who feel like they have had their voices taken away, to feel like that they, they don't have a place in this world, in this school, in this society, in this whatever, for them to speak up and, and talk about their lives, talk about their truth. But Minor Disturbance not only allows that, they foster it, they encourage it. And so hopefully this week's slam was a warning and not a precursor of things to come. Hopefully once the team gets back from Brave New Voices, 
then the real community building can start to increase and ramp up and foster so we have increased involvement, increased participation and success for years and years to come. Because if you don't foster your community, your community will not foster you. And that is the hard truth. And that is going to do it for us this week. I know it was kind of a shortened week, but I didn't have a whole lot to clip off of. So that's what we get. Uh, Next week, we are back to our regular schedule. In fact, next week, your Mercury Cafe Adult Slam team is going to have product for you to purchase. They're going to have books. They have CDs. They're trying to fundraise. And they're trying to make sure that they have enough to keep their community going, keep their... A Mercury Cafe adult community fostered so that they can keep on being powerhouses for years and years to come. Uh, so you definitely want to check that out on Sunday the 23rd. We still need volunteers for the National Poetry Slam. It's only a couple weeks away. If you would like to volunteer, then check out npsdenver.com. Click on the Get Involved link. Um, once again, I want to say thank you to Elijah Lynch. Thank you to the 2017 Minor Disturbance team and to the audience at the Mercury Cafe. That's a lot of uh, endorsements by too many famous people for me to list right now. Remember that the points are not the point and that the poetry is not even the point. Remember that the point is, was, and always will be the people. Have a good weekend. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.